Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is Mondays down south, and man, it's been a while, man. It's good to be back. Uh, took the I guess took the week off. Had a pretty uh, pretty busy week, so obviously the guy stepped in, brought in a guest um, from uh, from good old Austin here. So I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, we're back, and fun topic again today. I mean, this is a really interesting week in particular because we get to watch the Monday night games tonight. And uh, by the time this is posted, it's either going to be Wednesday or Thursday, and that will be in preparation for the fantasy football playoffs. Yes, sir. And that's where things get real dirty real quick. I mean, six out of the 12 teams in normal leagues uh, go to the playoffs here, three versus six, four versus five, uh, lots, lots of trash talk in between. Um, but, hey, no matter what happens – just remember, you are enough, just like Evan's sweatshirt says, all right? So without further ado, I will send Love it over it. to Sai for the topic. We got a good one for you that is fantasy football-oriented. So, Sai, uh, go ahead and take it away. This seems especially appropriate, too, because we're in so many you know, leagues independently, but obviously the two we're in together. Um, we have a joint team with MDS, which you guys have heard about, and we're in the playoffs, you know, fighting for championship this year. And then in the other league, uh, I got the one seed. Zach's got the three seed. And Evan is this close to getting in. He needs a, a big showing from our boy Garrett tonight. I, I think he's ruled himself out, but me and Zach haven't. So we're, we're going to be uh, keying in on tonight's Miami game. We need Tua and Tyreek not to be too amazing. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, this is a great time. Uh, we're talking about, you know, Zach teed it up. We're talking about it. So I'm going to go right into it. Um, we're picking one of numbers one all the way through 12 in the first round of a fantasy football draft for your playoff draft. Who are the guys that you want? The number one overall pick for me will be who I think should have been the number one overall pick this year, even though I won JJ in our league. That is Christian McCaffrey. Um, I believe Christian McCaffrey, especially with the running back position being as volatile as it's been this season and with the number of injuries and everything that we've had, he's been a legitimate workhorse, which pretty much guarantees you he's matchup proof and gets you at least 15 points a week with the ceiling of like 30 or more. So I'm taking C-Mac all the way as my number one overall pick. That's a, I don't need to, you know, debate that anymore yeah it's pretty self-explanatory i'll uh shift it over to another guy that i'm thinking about this is tyree kill at number two tyreek has just been unbelievable this year and i actually remember the days where top corners like jalen ramsey would say oh he's not a real receiver he's he's a punt returner he's a special teams guy because of a sheer speed but he can't develop into a receiver and just when you thought he had hit his pinnacle with Patrick Mahomes, you see him take off with Mike McDaniels and with uh, Tua, Tua, I'm just going to not even try to pronounce his last name right now. It's been late. Uh, But overall, Tyreek with 12 touchdowns, 1,500 yards. He's on pace for almost 2,000 yards, about 120 receptions. And uh, at this pace, probably 15 or 16 touchdowns, depending on what he does tonight. So, um, you know, it's, it's just really, really incredible to see the fact that he has not only blossomed to the a top three receiver, but I would say the top receiver, and it's not even a close second. 
beforehand, we would kind of throw guys like Devonte Adams in the mix. Obviously, he's on you know the Raiders, and he the production level is limit uh, is a little bit limiting. But Tyreek is proven all doubters wrong, and he's my number two overall pick. No notes. So, no notes on either of these. I just want to clarify. You're saying you go C-Mac one and then you go Tyreek two, Zach. I want to make sure I understood that correctly. Definitely. I agree okay, with your C-Mac pick sure. just yeah. because of the sheer touchdown volume. I mean, he is a touchdown juggernaut. So, yeah, C-Mac okay. one for sure. So, E, you got one and two the same, or do you have any switch up in that order? No notes. Those are my top two as well. Okay. No notes. Um, number three for me is going to go back to the wide receiver market. I'm going to go to C.D. Lamb. Yeah. Um, CD Lamb just had a terrific year overall. Dak Prescott's playing at an elite level. Um, he's scoring touchdowns. He's getting volume. Um, he's gaining yards. Cowboys still fighting for the uh, the one seed in the division lead. So I think they'll still be. Um, they do have a very hard schedule, but that could even help CD in terms of like keeping uh, keeping the ball in the air throughout these games. So um, yeah, I just think he's been he's been rock solid all year. He's been an absolute stud, and, and I don't see that changing over the uh, the next three weeks for the fantasy playoffs. So. Um, that's going to be my three challenges. No. And the other thing is the segment is talking about guys we want going into the playoffs rather than overall. And there is nobody hotter in the entire league than CD lamb. I wouldn't even be mad at someone for making an argument for saying, I want CD more than anyone else. Like just given the target share that he's getting, but right. I, I'm with you there. Quick aside too. Uh, let's not forget that. At 14, the Denver Broncos had the choice of getting Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. And I hate playing this game because Jerry Judy was the right pick at that point in time. Um, but they they went with Judy, and then mm-hmm. CeeDee went after, and then Justin Jefferson went after that. So quick aside there for uh, our boy CD. Crazy. And we are, we are snaking, right? So I'll go to number four. Um, helpful note, obviously, we're not creating a team here, right? This is a full first yep. round, so we're not worried about, yep. like, stacking the multiple positions. So this one's mm-hmm. a tough one for me. I got two guys. I might go to the – Um, I'm going to, based on recent trends, go with maybe a different guy. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Kyron Williams here. Since he's come oh. off the since he's come off the injury, he's just a volume monster. McVeigh wants a guy that he can play on all three downs, both you know to run between the tackles, to get receptions, um, and to pass block, which doesn't affect us in fantasy, but it does keep him on the field. So the Rams are in the race; they're going to be feeding Kyron. Um, last week, no touchdowns against Baltimore, but in matchups where they can kind of control the game script, as I think they will this week against the Commanders, um, you know, I think he's a good get bet to get potentially multiple touchdowns. Uh, if you look on weekly averages, he's third, um, third in terms of fantasy football points per week when you take out, obviously, all the injuries. So um, that's going to be my second running off back off the board. I think there's a few guys you could have taken here, but um, I definitely think he should be, uh, you know, he should be, be one of the top uh, top running backs going here. Who you got, Zebo? So I, I got to disagree with that one because Evan's a big volume guy, and I've I heard volume before with him, but – you look at Derrick Henry, you know, he is a sheer volume guy, but not a lot of production in terms of this year. And uh, I, you know, I would second or I would essentially disagree with you because my guy at four and I'll pick him here at five is Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne does get the volume, but he also gets a lot of production because he gets receiving yards. And um, with those receiving yards come receiving touchdowns. So, you know, when I look at a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars who are fighting tooth and nail to win their division with the Colts kind of banging down the door right now and the Texans, um, you know, Travis or, or sorry, Trevor Lawrence is going to have to play. Uh, he's fighting through that ankle injury, um, but they don't want him to be in the pocket too long. 
And so they're playing the win. They're playing the score points. And Travis Etienne is going to be the heart of that offense um, moving forward. So whether it's the run or the pass, uh, he's going to be amply utilized. And I think uh, that's what makes Etienne a huge threat here for the rest of the season. So to clarify, Zach, uh, you're going ETNS four, right? Because I know we're doing our order of one to twelve, right? So you're saying you'd have ETNS four, whereas Evan has um, Kyron at four, right? Yeah, yeah, I would pick him before Kyron for sure. But uh, okay. I guess in this long list right here, I'm, I'm kind of like adapting with the draft. But uh, yeah, I would go with ETN four for sure. I think that's well, how we got to do. It. We got to go through the twelve as if it's a normal draft, and then I guess yeah, you, can, you can maybe clarify how high you would have taken him. Um, so you're saying yeah. treat my next guy six? Yeah. yeah. So so pick your basically pick your top guy that's left on the board. Okay. And if you like want and if you want to also yeah. say that I like, like that. I I actually would have taken him as high as four, and then you can talk about our best. Yeah, I like that. Um I like that, and that teased me up perfectly because I'm going AJ Brown and I'm taking AJ Brown over both of those guys. Um, and that's a no question for me personally, because although I realize his last game or two hasn't been as hot, the reality is if you ask the, this question of let's make this draft like four weeks ago, AJ Brown would have easily been top three for most people. And their schedule gets way easier going into the playoffs compared to how brutal it was um, prior to that with the defenses they faced because they just faced Dallas and San Francisco. And you know what happens when they play teams they're supposed to beat? AJ Brown absolutely dominates. So I'm taking AJ Brown. Um, no questions asked with, with my next pick. And I love that he was available to me. So I'll leave it at that. He was actually four, but I wanted to talk about Kyron, so I agree with you uh, with taking him there. <laughs> the interesting thing about the schedule, actually, maybe we'll talk about it later in recaps, but like the Cowboys and Eagles, who's going to win this division? Um, I feel like everyone's kind of on the Cowboys because they did just throttle them, but the schedules are, you know, the Cowboys have an incredibly sure. difficult schedule. The Eagles have a very easy schedule, so um, it does look like the Eagles are probably going to still be able to hold on to that division despite uh, despite their recent form. But uh, Yeah, and if, they're both, if they both went out, the Eagles still win it, so there's that right. note as well. Yeah. So that means you're up to seven, Cy? Uh, oh, I, I'm snaking, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. So my number my number seven, okay, this is, this is where things get a little bit interesting because – I got a couple guys I uh, I really like here. Um, this is going to sound insane given the most recent injury. Um, don't know if I should do this or not. I know uh, you're I'm going to I'm going to swerve him just because you can't do what I think you're about to say. You just no, I'm not, I'm not gonna, he's doing. I'm not going to do it. But a report did come out today saying that Jetta actually should be playing again oh, this weekend. Oh, oh. Justin Jefferson, Keenan. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 not Keenan. I was going to say Jay Jetta because even when he played for, you know, two minutes, he got two immediate receptions. So clearly the plan is to feed him. But And he's supposed to be good to go this weekend. However, I don't want to run that risk. So I'm actually going to go with the floor guy, a floor guy that has a ceiling, and that's Alvin Kamara, who is just Mr. Consistent. Whether the Saints suck or whether the Saints are good, you can pretty much guarantee he's going to give you at least 12 to 14 fantasy points because he gets so much work in the passing game as well as the running game. And then you also saw like for a few weeks there that he had multiple touchdowns in, in several games. So especially with Derek Carr playing, the guy gets so many targets. And if you have some PPR or half PPR, he is such a solid performer. So I want Camara because there's definitely guys on the board still who definitely have higher upside than him. Um, you know, like Kyron, for example, that Evan mentioned. But I just want someone who I know I can rely on in the playoffs that when I put them in my lineup, they're going to give me consistent production. I can build around that. So that's why I'm going Kamara. It's not a sexy pick, but it's 
with a more safe floor pick. So I like Kamara there. I really like that pick, Sai. I think that's the perfect spot for Kamara, especially in a uh, like a half PPR, full PPR setting for some of these mm-hmm. leagues. But you, one of my favorite parts about that point was the fact that you mentioned consistency because yep. there's nothing more frustrating than when you're a fantasy football owner going into the first round of the playoffs, yep. your team is promising, and then you just just start sucking terribly in the playoffs first round because your team is inconsistent. They don't just don't perform the week you need them to perform. I've got Mike Evans as a guy who is Mr. Consistent. He's a guy that you know is going to deliver regardless of the quarterback. And let me tell you why I would draft him right here. I would draft him right here if we're looking at current state and forward looking because this man has not only surpassed 1,000 yards again so far this season, but he has double-digit touchdowns. And he's just the quiet behemoth that is a motor. He is always going to get you at least 13, 14 points. And every point counts at this point in the season um, as you go up against, you know, these big time matchups with with your buddies. So I think Mike Evans will provide you with that safety valve that Keenan Allen might not due to uh, Herbert's injury. So Mike Evans uh, is uh, next up for me. That's a bold one, Zach. That's actually, I just checked his stats. I didn't realize it's actually not a bad pick. I mean, if you take out last week where he did the opposite of what you're saying is, and he only got like what one catch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, his, has been consistently like 10 to 20 points. So sneaky pick there, Zach. Nice job. That's good. That's good. Like AJ Terrell had him on straps, baby. <laughs> he's not wrong. Yeah, well, the Bucks still won the game. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> does that, oh no. So it's me now. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a tough one. I am going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I think for similar reasons that, uh, that Zach mentioned, I think, you know, maybe doesn't have those kind of nuclear games, but he's just super consistent getting that, you know, eight to 10 receptions a game, you know, a lot of underneath stuff gets a lot of, a lot of volume in that way, you know, is, is good to score a touchdown on most weeks. Um, Lions have been a little iffy, but, um, you know, I'm not too familiar with their schedule the rest of the way, but, um, you know, he's been pretty matchup proof. So, um, I think he's just a steady guy to get you a nice floor and be a consistent producer for you. Um, where does that leave me? Am I at nine? I think so. Yeah. That it matters. So I'm just trying to, so, so I think you're at 10. I think this is the final one. This is the final swing. I think we're we're doing 12 picks though, right? Yeah, so he's on 10, oh, yeah, 11, so that, that must 12. Be nine. Gotcha. Um, so then this one may be a little riskier. I'm going to go to Devon A-Chain, or A-Chan, not A-Chain. Um, so this is a guy, when he's been on the field, has just been electric, you know, one or two touchdowns a week. You know, he doesn't get kind of the traditional touches um, or kind of the traditional usage as much because you use him in a very unique way. But he's just such an insanely explosive player when he's on the field. And I think as we get into the colder months, they're going to have to run the ball more than putting it in the air. Um, depending on what their schedule looks like. I actually think they have two home games, so that probably helps them from a, from a weather standpoint. But um, he's just been so lights out on when he's on the field. I think I have him at uh, number two running back on a weekly uh, weekly basis um, when he plays. So, you know, he's a little riskier from a health standpoint, given that he was dealing with injuries over the last few weeks. And there's also kind of, you know, if he doesn't get the touchdowns, um, then he's maybe not as, as effective. But, um, you know, take a, take a little more risk here, but uh, get, get tons of upside there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Love that pick, Ev. I um I would disagree because of the usage that Monster's still getting. Um it's just it's too hard to predict. Both of the running backs are incredible. They're they're really talented. They could be starters on any team in the NFL. 
but the problem is, is who's going to get the touchdown. And I feel like both of those players, whether it's Moss or HN, is they are kind of dependent on that touchdown because they're going to split carries. That's my only worry with the first round draft pick. So I would actually replace HN with Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs has not performed ex- exceptionally well this season. He was a late first round draft pick to start the season, but I still think that he is worthy of a late first round pick right now. And the reason I believe that is I think that the Bills are going to heat up. Right now in the AFC, I think there's like five or six teams that are seven and six. It's coming down to the wire. If the Bills want it, they need to go out and do what they do best, throw the football. And Josh Allen has struggled this season. It's been one of his worst seasons, and he deserves a lot of criticism. But Stephon Diggs is the guy that can bail him out of jail here. When those two guys are on, they are unstoppable. And Stephon Diggs has the talent, even though he's a little bit older. Um, I just think that they need to get back to the basics, throw the football to him, and let the Bills do what they do and march into the playoffs. So I've got Stephon Diggs under the faith that he's going to get a lot more targets than he has the last couple of weeks. I I want to make a quick counterpoint. I actually would go with Evan's pick over yours, which is wild because mm. I never at the end of the season thought that I would leave Diggs out over A-Chain, although Diggs would probably crack my top 12 if I was just making my own list. The reason I pick A-Chain is the man has played six games. And in six games, even though he doesn't get all the snaps, he gets – in this last multiple couple games that he's played, he's gotten a higher snap share than Raheem Mostert. And in those six games, he's had over 600 all-purpose yards and nine touchdowns, nine touchdowns in six games. So you want to talk about a guy that literally can win you a matchup in a, in, in one week by just absolutely popping off. That's Devon A-Chain. And the other thing is their schedule plays to it. Even with them playing the Cowboys, I think he's such a matchup-proof guy because when you give him the ball in open space, it's ridiculous. So I, I, I agree with Evan. Like, I want A-Chain in there. But I also understand having Diggs in, too. I just would have A-Chain higher. Um, and I'm glad Evan included him because I wanted to include him. I think pick 12 rounds it out. Um, so this is the last pick. It's hilarious because when you look at a lot of lists and a lot of people's conversations because of how much the Chiefs have struggled recently, people just have stopped talking about Travis Kelsey. And the reality is he is still by far and away the best fantasy tight end with consistency. The guy's missed, I think, three or four games this season. And he's still, I believe, leading, if not like right at the top for all tight end categories. Because even when the Chiefs suck, even in the games where they don't score a lot of points, he still consistently gets anywhere from like, 12 to 15 points. And at the tight end position, that is such a positional advantage that if I can get Kelsey at the end of the first round and I can just supplant it with a bunch of other guys that have a ton of upside, I want Mr. Consistent at tight end because you need that in the playoffs at the tight end position if you're facing someone who already has good players everywhere else. So I I think Kelsey deserves to be on the list, whether people want to give him credit or not. My challenge, and I present to you a different case, my boy Evan Ingram, who is equally been consistent this year, maybe for a few less points per week, but has actually been popping off lately. So maybe he has more upside, but Evan, especially with the check down nature of the Jaguars offense and the fact that Christian Kirk is out because basically Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk get the same kind of targets, whereas Ridley and Zay Jones get the same kind of targets. So without Kirk, they check down to Ingram all the time. So I can take him a few rounds later in this uh, in this situation and, and be pretty comfortable at tight end. Even if, yeah, I mean, obviously I'd rather have Kelsey, but you know, I'd rather just take uh, Ingram. That's my challenge to Travis Kelsey. I will I will challenge you right back by saying that I believe has Ingram missed a game this season? He's played every game, right? Yeah. So Ingram's played every game, um, and he's had I believe 
his first touchdown since like the early weeks, like was this like past week or something like that. Right. So Ingram's played every single game and he's had 700 yards receiving and has had um, three touchdowns. Travis Kelsey's, I think had more than double the number of touchdowns Evan Ingram's had and has 800 yards or more. And he's played literally four less games than Evan Ingram has or three less games. So, I mean, that just goes to show the discrepancy in, in tight end right there. Like Kelsey's on a different planet than everyone else. The only person I could argue would be Mark Andrews with consistency if he was on the field, but he's off. So um, maybe Hawkinson, I don't know. But the reality is Kelsey's such a differentiator to me still. Well, but if you take Hawkinson, you're getting, if you look at the full season, it's like a little over a point a week, right? Whereas you can get Hawkinson like two rounds later. I guess that's my point. And Evan, Evan Ingram over the full season is a little over three a week. But if you look at the recent trend and the fact that Kirk is out, um, the late usage and uh, yeah, I mean, but he, he's just, uh, just an example, but I just think you can. Yeah, I, I'm just, I, I get where you're coming from now. Kelsey yeah, Kelsey's honestly, been a bummer this year. Honestly, I'm sick and tired of Kelsey. He's been a complete bummer this year <laughs> in terms of first round, uh, first round uh, camaraderie. Like he used to be a first round draft pick, but when you have five touchdowns and you have half as many yards as you did last season, you don't even worth to be in the second round. So, you know, I will acknowledge, Cy, that Travis Kelsey – is the best tight end. Obviously that we're not like denying that or anything like that, but he is not a first round fantasy pick anymore at this point. I'm so done with it. Um, he's getting the yards, but not the touchdowns this year. And honestly, the chiefs are just, have just been drama galore this whole season. It's been really infuriating. I'd much, much like much rather go with a guy um, that gets a lot of volume, like a Derrick Henry or a Joe Mixon here at 12. <laughs> I think that those guys are a lot more. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has eight. He's so awesome, bro. He well, yeah, because they give him like three tries on the goal line. I was so frustrated this week. I was like, dude, it's first to go for the one. They just kept hammering him. It took him like three tries, which, but he finally got fair, it. Which, to be fair to Zach, though, that's the point, right? Like, you sure. want the guy that you want the guy that's going to give you points, and I. So I don't blame him for putting Mix in there. I think Derrick Henry is is the wild one there because the reality is, I understand Zach's out on the Chiefs, but I think it's in a way clouding your judgment on how like still dominant Kelsey is like, I understand that he didn't live up to his like number four, number five overall pick, but in fantasy football, positional advantage is that is a deal breaker. It really is. And I mm. think it's a position where Kelsey, when he's played, even when the chiefs have sucked has still been the best fantasy tight end. And it's not even arguable. You can go look at his stats compared to other guys. He's played three or four less games than everyone else. And has still managed to, have the same level of statistics. That's crazy when you think about his points per game perspective, even when the Chiefs have sucked. And if their schedule gets easier, and let's say they do play a little bit better, we could go back to seeing Kelsey getting 17-18. So for me, it's positional advantage because, yeah, you might be able to argue mm -hmm. Derek Henry or Joe Mixon, but Saquon Barkley's still on the board. I got a bunch of running backs I still got on the board that can give me points. I don't have as many tight ends, in my opinion, that I'm comfortable with week after week because Evan mentioned Ingram, and next week Ingram could go put up a dud. And I'm not – I'm not. But I'm not trusting of Ingram. Ingram never puts up duds. He always gets like seven points. He doesn't have and a seven in the fifth literally, round. Though. And seven is not pretty to me, man. Like that's Kelsey over the last three weeks has only been averaging like ten, and he that's that's kind of he's been averaging like week. twelve and half PPR, nah. which I'll take every day. Nah, dude, that's a five plus. point. That's a five point difference in your in your uh, fantasy football. No, he's 11, 11, 12, 12, 10, 11. So 11. And his okay. average on his average <laughs> on the year, his average on the year is 13. I'm going to give you some other players that have like 13 point per game averages. 
um, okay. on the year. Austin Eckler, who people play. hate. He's a running back. Are you, are you kidding me right but, now? Well, no, but Austin. But where where are you taking? Like Austin Eckler right now is probably like RB like fifteen to twenty on this board on your board going into yeah, the fantasy but, playoffs. Like I'm not going to sacrifice that kind of value just to get a positional advantage. But, is my point. If that's your if that's your argument, then Travis Kelsey would never go top five to six in a draft, even in the prior years. Because the reality is, even in Travis Kelsey's best years, he was nowhere near. A, a wide receiver or a running back that was going at the same pick in terms of overall fantasy points. The difference is positional event. That's the only reason people mm. take Kelsey that high. If you're going purely based on a points per game or points overall in the course of a season, Travis Kelsey would never be a first round pick, even in his of best course. years, because the guy you can get at an eight or nine is going to be higher. But the reality is you just told me Kelsey's averaging 13 points a week at the uh, in fantasy football, the uh, tight end position. Who is second? Second is probably what, like nine or 10? Uh. No, it's 11. Even then, you're seeing a difference every week. 11-9, excuse me, it's 12. It's only an extra point. And and even that, Hawk is your maybe your one example, right? Like I can I can argue a ton of running backs, or wide receivers that can make up that difference if you if you take them in the second or third. That's that's my point. But I'm I'm a Kelsey truther all through and through because he's yeah. been consistent for me. I agree. Fellas, I get your fellas, argument. I love I this. Think. Well, here's what I'm thinking. I think we I, I can find some reconciliation here. We missed one clear guy, and so I say we pit, we pass it's, uh, it's Kelsey to the first pick time. of the second round. Honorable yes. mention time. I agree. It's honorable Samuel, mention time, baby. That was one of mine. Yes, sir. Yes, the sir. problem with him is like absolutely he, crushing it. He he's the guy that will throw up a dud more so because of how Kyle uses him. Like Kyle just kind of chooses who's getting the ball that week. But his just last few weeks have been so crazy that like it's you know definitely someone at the end of the first high second I think. And that's what's made the 49ers so dominant. But I'll let you uh, side talk about your boy Debo here. Well, that's what's interesting, right? Because obviously, and and to preface for people that are listening to this segment, Zach and I actually made a tra- trade a few weeks ago where I gave up Debo, mainly because I needed to upgrade running back a little bit more because I was a little bit more concerned about my lack of depth there. And I already had Keenan and Justin Jefferson at wide receiver. So I traded Debo, but not because I don't love Debo. You guys know how much I love Debo. I did it because those two, I'm obviously starting over Debo. And the reality is me and Evan and Zach Klein, who was one of our regular guests, had a pretty good argument on a group chat of like, oh, Debo's not raising the floor. And I had to make the argument of you could argue Debo, you know, week to week is just as valuable as Gibbs because Gibbs is less consistent right now than Debo is, right? And that's the reality of it. Gibbs pops off one week and then the next week gives you like an eight-point game sometimes. And the reality is Debo, I think the 49ers realize when you get him involved, whether it's through the run game, which is what we're understating because he scores a rushing touchdown almost every game now, plus the, the receiving game, that's where Debo becomes a fantasy nightmare for people. And this is what happened when he was, what, a top three, top four player two, three years ago when uh, um, before he got hurt, when him and uh, I think it was him and Cooper Cup were like two of the top players in fantasy football the, the entire year. De- Debo obviously behind Cup, but that's my point. Um, I think Debo's a really good, really good point there, Zach, and I'm glad you brought him up. But we're definitely missing a couple people. Um, the other person I wanted to throw out there, and I think – we we are completely overlooking him, and it's hilarious because he's on Zach's team, is Bijan. He's way more involved now than he was early in the year. They're actually using him, and he's putting up points. Like, I don't – the thing with fantasy football is people get too stuck on, oh, what did you do for me early? What did you do for me, like, with the bias of, like, oh, how have you impacted my team early? But then they don't look at the guys who at the end of the season, like, might win you the league. And Bijan is – 
in that territory right now with his usage going up. It's similar to when Evan picked up Derrick Henry a few years ago towards the end of the season because they started using him more. And then he ran through our playoffs because the coach realized, hey, I'm kind of being dumb. Maybe I should give my best player the football. And I think that's what's happening with Bijan right now. And I would take Bijan at the end of the first round at a running back he, position. He's probably close. Um, one of mine honorable mentions, it's, it's definitely a riskier one, but it's DJ Moore. So DJ Moore is a top 10 receiver. Is, is a top 10 receiver average this year, higher than Mike Evans, higher than Stefan Diggs. But half of mm-hmm. that was with Tyson, Tyson Bajan. And when he plays with Justin Fields, like uh, they actually, I mean, it's, you know, it's a little difficult to watch because you're usually relying on a, on a long touchdown um, like they had this week, but like they have a good connection and they make some big time plays together and he really feeds them. So, and even again, even with, you know Tyson Bajan being his quarterback for like half the year, he's still a top ten receiver on a weekly basis. So, I that's a good one. That's a good one because I was I was concerned about DJ's streakiness, but that does kind of fall in tangent with Debo Samuel a little bit too. They're both incredible playmakers, but you just have to feed them the ball. Um, I did want to say something about Bijan Robinson, uh, knowing how you know sports degenerates in America are. They had speculated that Arthur Smith had benched Bijan Robinson. This was on the Pat McAfee podcast today because he vaped in his face as he got off the team bus on an away game a couple weeks ago. No and way. That was the circulating rumor of why Bijan Robinson was benched for a couple of games midway through the season, ironically, against the Buccaneers, the team that they just played. So, you know, luckily, you know, he's coming back. And obviously, as that division race gets hot in the NFC South. We're going to need Bijan to play every snap that we can afford. So we'll uh, hopefully get back out on there next week. That would be awesome if that's true. I, I also <laughs> it's think, definitely not. <laughs> I also think, Evan, that I'm so glad you brought him up because I had a star around DJ Moore to mention as, as a late round, like first round pick for me because he is less volatile than a lot of the guys we just mentioned when Justin Fields is on on the field. The reality is outside of the first like – two to three weeks with Fields when Fields was just really struggling and couldn't get the ball out. The chemistry between those two um, before Fields got hurt and like now the Fields is back is right there with almost any other wide receiver. I mean, DJ Moore is averaging like over 15 points a game over his last like five games with, uh, with, um, with Justin Fields. And in two of those, he's gone over like 30. He had a 40-point game with Justin Fields. The reality is DJ Moore probably should be like seventh or eighth in my rankings if I'm if I'm doing it based on what he's capable of with Fields. So that's a really good point, Adam. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, I had him 10. And the problem, the problem I have with DJ from a trustworthiness standpoint is he a lot of his points are they feel more fluky than others. So, um, like this week, well, like if, if you take that Commanders game where he just was abusing Emmanuel Forbes for like three touchdowns, like that was kind of an outlier. And then this week he had two touchdowns, one of which was on a free play that Justin Fields drew the Packers off sides. And I think the cornerback kind of stopped and it was just a wide open touchdown. And then the second one was an end around rushing touchdown, not to take away from him. Cause obviously, you know, he had like, he consistently burns guys and, you know, these types of things seem to happen fairly consistently enough to where they're believable, but his, his, his production is a little less, uh, you know, it's volatile in the way it happens, I guess. Less so that it does happen, but more in how it happens, which makes me nervous. But um, yeah, he's been a stud. Yeah, I understand what you're coming from. It's it's more creative with them, but as long as you get the touches, that's all I care about. As long, yeah, as them. long as it happens, you know, and it has been yeah. happening. So, um, yeah. should, we, should we do recaps? I, I real quick yeah. before recaps, I do have a quick question for you too. Give me one player that's not in 
anywhere near the first round, but just a, a guy that you're like, Hey, here's, and I'm, I'm putting these two on the spot for people listening, by the way, because we didn't think of this earlier, but as we were having this conversation, it came to mind, give me one player, like maybe on one of your teams, or just someone you've been watching where you're like, this guy could completely, you know, transform my team in the playoffs that like people aren't thinking about right now. And if you want, I can start. Like, for example, for me, that's Zay Flowers, because since Mark Andrews has gotten hurt, um, Lamar Jackson is relying heavily on him in terms of targets and especially meaningful targets like red zone targets. Zay Flowers back to back weeks has had touchdowns and he's getting upwards of like nine to 10 targets. Last week, he had six receptions, 60 yards and a touchdown. Like, and the week before, he had a touchdown and a rush for a touchdown. So Flowers is getting really involved. So that's an example of someone that, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you wouldn't even consider starting. And now you're like, wait, this could be a legitimate flex option for me in the playoffs. I'm wondering if you guys have anyone like that. From my, I, I, what's been really interesting on this podcast is hearing about the positional leverage that you had mentioned, mm-hmm. Cy, with drafting Kelsey. So I'll stay in the tight end department. Let's go Sam Laporta. He is quickly becoming Jared Goff's favorite target in Detroit. So much that, you know, the Amon St. Browns, right? The guys that we would wholeheartedly draft in the first round. We haven't even discussed Laporta, but Laporta's getting more targets recently. He's getting more touchdowns, and he's converting on those targets. Uh, You know, he's got like a 90% completion rate when the ball is thrown in his direction. So I think if you can leverage that rookie tight end that you drafted maybe in like the 12th or 13th round, and you can pair that with the Iukes of the world, you've got a really dangerous team going into the playoffs. I like that, Zach, especially giving a shout out to the two tight ends like Laporta and Kincaid, who you got late that are making noise at the end mm-hmm. of the year. That's smart. What's What about you, Edie? So one guy, this is maybe kind of cheating, but um, like Cooper Cup, because he's typically a first round mm-hmm. kind of guy, and he finally kind of got back on the same page with Stafford this week. So he's, he's yep. still pretty high up, so that's maybe kind of cheating. So I'll go with a deeper one that is injury dependent, but Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott. If Ramadre Stevenson is still mm-hmm. out, he's going to go off. I mean, he got... My boy Marty, shout out, was uh, joking with me. He was like debating benching Austin Eckler for Zeke. And we were all like, nah, dude, you can't do that. You're crazy. And then he was like, dude, he's going to get 30 touches. And I literally laughed at him. I was like, dude, Zeke is not getting 30 touches. He got exactly 30 touches in that Pittsburgh game. So um, the problem is they're probably not going to have the same kind of game script. And, you know, obviously this is dependent on Ramondre being out. But if Ramondre is still out, man, that's a definitely a you know high-end starter. That's a good one. Don't sleep on McKinnon either, by the way, for as long as Pacheco's out. Yeah, that's um, – hopefully Pacheco comes back. I hope he's back. Me too. He's so league. fun to watch, man. He's, he's so, so fun, fun to watch. watch. He he's runs so, so angry, man. He's fantastic. Yeah. But maybe that's a good segue into the games. Let's do it. One of my, my most interesting takeaways, guys, was when I was perusing these Week 14 spreads – these spreads were pretty tight and that's what made this week so difficult there were a lot of spreads that were between two and a half to five and a half points there weren't those major spreads that we've seen now albeit the miami spread tonight it's like 13 and a half but you know that for the gist of it that was the majority of the games had those tight spreads however the games were so um there was just there are multiple games where they weren't even close like a couple examples bengals colts 34 14 Jets, Texans, 30 to 6. Saints, Panthers, 28 6. Broncos, Chargers, 24 7. The Eagles, Cowboys game last night, and so on. So I think in these type of weeks, the spreads might get condensed as these teams are making that final push to the playoffs. But I can actually treat that as like opportunistic, where, okay, this is a good opportunity for us to really believe in the teams we think are good 
that are going to get pushed over the needle here and just continually bet them because you're starting to see a lot of teams separate themselves from the rest of the pack. So that was one thing that I found really interesting about week 14, but I'll kind of open it up to you guys and see which games you guys want to talk about. Yeah, I think these, these betting weeks are so hard, but the, the counterpoint, I think, to that, Zach, is that I think a lot of the really good teams, this is where they kind of hit a rough patch. I mean, if I remember last year with the Eagles, they lost kind of like three in a row around the same time, and it was like, oh, are they not that good? And it was just kind of them, like, I'm not, I don't want to say gearing down, but for whatever reason, it, it you know kind of felt like they were kind of gearing down and getting rid of the playoffs, and the, the Chiefs are in a similar boat right now. And like, But we all know once the playoffs start, these teams are going to be completely fine, so... Um, I mean, you mentioned the uh, the Colts Bengals. I, you know, I do want to shout out the Bengals here. I feel like, yeah, you know, similar to how the college football playoff committee treats injured quarterbacks, I think a lot of fans tend to write teams off the second their starting quarterback gets hurt. Um, Bengals are still a really good team, man. Um, they have a shot to make the playoffs here, and you know, Jake Browning's playing pretty well. So I, I think they were written off when Joe Burrow went down, um, and the the team kind of around Jake Browning started to play better. Um, than they did with Joe Burrow because um, they realized they needed to step up and, and they deserve a lot of credit for, you know, being a pretty good team um, handedly and, and, you know, giving themselves a shot at the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I got to I got to give credit where credit's due. You two were on that one. Um, I mean, I, mainly Zach. I don't deserve credit because I picked the Colts, but Zach, attaboy. Well, the Matrix yeah. works, boys. <laughs> the Matrix does work. Nice, nicely done. And I will I will say I want to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, uh, Browning definitely deserves a ton of credit. He looks like a legitimate like one of the best backups in, in the NFL because he's not just one of those backups that does like five yard dunks. He'll throw the ball down the field. Um, and admittedly, I'll admit it. I think he's better than Minshew in terms of ceiling and even with Minshew putting us in a playoff race, which I'm not trying to disrespect my guy, but I try to, I try to keep it honest when I can. I'm pretty upset with our team this year or this week, especially because the reason we've been on the tear that we've been and we've won like four in a row prior to this one is because we're playing smart football where we weren't turning the ball over and winning the close games. And we shot ourselves in the foot like eight times and the Bengals just torched us after that. We tied it up at the end with some crazy 14-14. Then they destroyed us in the second half. So that's a learning lesson for us. Um, and shout out to the to um, the Bengals like you guys mentioned. Jump into another game. I want to give a – even though the Ravens won – I want to give a shout out to the Rams because I said earlier in the year that I believe the Rams are better than they, than they are on paper. And I didn't stick to my guns this week. And I picked the Ravens to cover the spread at home. And I hate myself for that. Hate is a strong word, but I'm upset with myself for that because the Rams look good, man. Like I'm not saying they're going to go win the Super Bowl, but if I was an NFC team, I wouldn't be excited to play them in the playoffs because Stafford is getting the ball out quickly. And their receiving core is really good. Even Robinson, Demarcus Robinson is contributing as like a third, fourth receiver. And Cup looks better. Kyron Williams is a stud. And Aaron Donald is still there. He's still top three, top five defense player in the league. So I don't, I don't the Rams are good. But yeah, shout out to the Ravens. Huge comeback win uh, in that game and another big one at home. And you got to consider them a top three team at this point. I've begun to come around on the Rams. They, they can maybe sneak into that, uh, that seventh uh, playoff spot in the NFC, but uh, they're playing well. Credit. That would be that would be a tough one, Ev. I know that would be that would be as much of a surprise as you get into the playoffs because you've been kind of creeping up from ten <laughs> to nine to eight to seven. So we'll we'll see if that happens. But one game I wanted to quickly mention was the uh, Lions and the Bears. And Ev, I'll give you some credit where credits due here. You were warning us from going mo moving forward full speed with the Lions because they do not play well in the cold. And I will challenge you this: Evan had mentioned earlier there are teams that regress at this point in time too. good teams like the Eagles. Right. But I think the lions are even more of a concern. They're nine and four. 
They slipped a couple games. They've lost to these type of opponents in the cold weather that are notoriously under 500. And if you think about it, let's just say the Eagles get back on track. It's cold in San Francisco as well in those two one and two seed matchups in the playoffs. You think the Lions are going to confidently go over there and win a game? I mean, it's going to be really tough. They're really good at home, but they struggle struggle elsewhere. And I think it's uh, not time to push the panic button in Detroit, but I think that they're starting to deviate back towards the mean here. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I'm kicking myself for not actually making picking the Bears in my picks because that would have been a great opportunity to gain one on you. But uh yeah, I started to get on that during later in the week because the bear. The other thing is the Bears aren't a bad team with Justin Fields playing and playing pretty well, especially now that they got Montez Sweat. Like especially at home, like, I think Justin Fields plays way better at home on grass for some reason. I think it's because his speed advantage makes a bigger difference. Um, so I, I do want to shout out the Bears a little bit. I, I think they're better than people give them credit for um, when fully healthy. Um, but yeah, the Lions, the home road thing is becoming very real, and it's tough to tough to see them making a ton of noise in the playoffs because of it. Unfortunately. I'm glad you brought up picks too, because I, I know the segment's coming later, but I know I got absolutely smoked this week because every good team that I picked lost to all the teams you guys picked. So I'm about to fall back real far. So I got a big, big comeback to try to make it three seasons in a row of winning. And it's not looking pretty for me, but with that being said, that's on me too, because I got to stick with my gut. Like I know I, I've been saying that the lions haven't looked that good the last couple of weeks. I've been on that train for like, four weeks and instead of picking the bears i said let's pick the lions to cover and i don't know what i'm doing like why am i second guessing myself but the reality is evan hit the nail on the head with that one um and i mean that's i think you did the analysis perfectly to jump to another one speaking of picks i mean i pick kansas city and it's paid off for me usually like 70 to 80 percent of the time against the bills but in the regular season Again, the Bills came back and not not came back, but they won this game. And then I got to give you guys credit where credit's due. You picked the Bills. Josh Allen showed up. Um, I don't know what Stephon Diggs was doing. I don't know how they won that game with Diggs just basically like almost giving that game up in multiple ways. But um, yeah, no, they they came back. We definitely got to talk about the Mahomes reaction at the end of the game. But I will say this, and I'm putting all excuses aside. I cannot understand or even comprehend how receivers can lose games for a team as much as they are for the chiefs. And although they won the super bowl without a great starting wide receiver last year, even though of course they have Kelsey who's the best tight end. I, it is actually shocking to me to think that team won with the receivers they had last year and how many games they've lost. They've lost five games. And I believe three or four of them were because a receiver made an absurd play that like a college receiver wouldn't make for them to lose it. And this one was the worst out of all of them. So I'd love to get y'all's reaction. on that. Yeah. I, I, th- I mean, I think it's pretty lame on the refs to be honest with you. Like he was off sides, but I was watching a Dan Orlovsky video, which I definitely recommend. I think he's got it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, like Kadarius Tony lined up offsides like at like five or six different points throughout the game, even more than that. Like, it's just like, cause it's tricky to be exactly right on the line. So obviously best practice is you're supposed to look at the ref, which I do jokingly um, all the time, you know, point down at the ref, like um, make sure you're good, but you actually do have to do that every play. So he, he didn't do that a single time in the entire game is what Orlowski noticed. Um, but also the ref never went up to him and said, Hey, you, you know, you weren't on the line, like, and like warned him. And then he just like in the most crucial play of the game, it turned out like threw a flag on him. Like 
So it's definitely lame on the refs. I mean, he was offsides, but like this is one of those rules that like there's like a, an agreement, an unwritten rule between the players and the refs that you work together on this to make sure you're good and you don't screw someone over. Um, so it's not as bad as the Terry McLaurin one against the Giants last year, which cost us a playoff spot, which is insane, by the way, for anyone that wants to go back and watch it. Um, but this was like another bad one for the refs. And then Mahomes, this is two straight games that the refs have arguably cost the Chiefs when you look at the pass interference from last week. So I think it's just frustrations boiling over, you know, for the second straight week of this happening. But that was a wild reaction from him that you'd never see. I think that's really well said, Evan, because initially I would have disagreed with you until I just heard your assessment on it, because you're right. This is an open dialogue communication between referees and players. I saw the, um, I was watching a couple of the plays back and I did see uh, Kadarius you know, he did kind of the motion where he looked to the side, but like it was, it's just muscle memory at this point, much like when right. someone scores a basket, you know, the person has to inbound the ball and they just probably, you know, they're probably stepping on the line to inbound it in an NBA game. Like if it's a problem, if it's a recurring issue, then it's the, it's the referee's responsibility because what Kadarius is thinking about is, okay, what, how am I going to run this route? What's the play that's called? Um, you know, if it's an option route, am I running out to the, uh, to the side of the field or am I running a seam route down the middle? Like there's so many things that he's thinking about in that moment that if he's off by an inch, like, yes, it's not the rules, but like the ref should have warned him multiple times during that game. So I I think that was a little bit unfair, but on the grand scheme of things, I think karma, um, gets the best of you. And I think that the chiefs got away with a blatant call last year in the Super Bowl. And so maybe this is like karma's way of evening it out a little bit. But I also do have to crack Kadarius too, because at first he was Kadrapius, costing them an actual game. And now he's offside us or whatever nickname you want to even draw up here. But that's now two games that he has ruined yep. for the Kansas City Chiefs. And when you look at an eight and five record in comparison to a 10 and three record, that is a potential one or two seed difference. So, you know, Kadarius needs to also step it up as well because he's had the drop problems and now he's having the offside problems. Yeah, need pair, to that with MVS, pair that with MVS dropping a perfectly thrown 50-yard ball, which then Mahomes, instead of throwing his receiver <laughs> under the bus, goes in the press conference and says, oh, I probably could have thrown that ball a little bit lighter to get it to him. Like, he's a, he's a champion for a reason. He stands by his guys, even though if I was Mahomes, I'm sorry. Like, I might be calm the first two times, but I'd be going on a press conference being like, Screw these receivers. Get me better receivers. I would be <laughs> internally, I would be so angry. I couldn't even hold it together because the reality is, like, I have never seen someone get this screwed. And the funny part is, we don't even talk about like the vital third down plays in the middle of a in the middle of a game where he'll throw like a perfect ball to somebody and it'll just like hit them in the hands and they'll drop it. Like it's absurd. I've never seen this in the NFL. Like I, it's it's actually shocking to me because you you know most NFL receivers, if you watch their tape of like them practicing they don't drop a ball like you throw them a hundred passes and they'll drop maybe one of them and in these games it's like consistent so it's crazy no excuses though i mean the reality is the chiefs went into the season knowing their wide receiver core wasn't good and they thought they were going to be able to win like they did last year without a great number one and this is proving to them that okay you did it last year but it's time for you to you know get some more guys out there i still think there's a there's they have the potential to figure it out, but we'll, that's a conversation for later when we talk about picks, but it's worth, I just, it was just worth mentioning. And the one last thing I'll say really quickly so we can move on from this one is last year that offensive offsides was called twice in the entire season. 
The one thing I'll give the refs credit for is it's been called 11 times this year already. So they're clearly trying to enforce it. The only thing I will say to Evan's argument or Evan's statement earlier is I agree with them. If they're going to call it, and he's already done it multiple times in the game, they should have either warned him earlier in the game or they should have called it because most other times it's been called. Apparently there's been a warning issue to the player where they said, hey, if you line up off sides, we're going to call it again um, if you do that again. And instead they waited till the very last game when the Chiefs could have won that game on a amazing play, by the way, the Travis Kelsey throw across the field. Like that would have gone down in – History is one of the coolest endings to a regular season game, and they took that away from everybody. So that's ridiculous. You guys still get your Bills pick for the week, but I got screwed out of one this week. That's all I got to say there. Speaking of Kelsey, he's going to do that in like a playoff game or like, you know, gosh forbid the Super Bowl or something, and it's going to be epic. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's done that multiple. Now, this one was all the way across the field. It was insane. It's, usually it's a little closer, but he's done that a few times this year, and it's, it's wild, but. I do. Yeah. We should go to picks, but I want to last couple. Uh, Bucks Falcons is a one of the more impactful games of the week because it now puts the Bucks in the driver's seat for the division. But yeah, kind of a dumpster fire division. But hey, the Bucks are are winning that battle so far. Three way tie. Yeah. Well, who do you think wins that division, Evan? Ah, did the Falcons beat the Bucks the first time? Yes. So they're tied. Mm-hmm. Um, I I. You're probably going to call me crazy. I think the Falcons are going to hold on and win it. That's who I picked at the beginning of the year, actually. I, I kind of wavered between them and the Saints, but I'm going to stick with the Falcons more so to just kind of stick with my pregame pick. But I don't know. They just lost at home to the Bucks. It's tough to say, but I'd have to look at schedules, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to piss you off here, but I quite frankly, I don't care because none of those teams deserve to win a division, <laughs> and one of them like is the going Saints. to – and they're, gonna go gonna in, and they're right. going to go into the playoffs, and hopefully they'll lose to whoever they play because none of those teams Cowboys. should be in the playoffs, in my opinion. Just like my Colts shouldn't be in the playoffs. It's the same belief I have. Teams that aren't like that have good foundations but are in a situation where the NFL has so many injuries are managing to win week, week over week, not that they haven't gotten big wins, and they're going to get into the playoffs. And the reality is we're just seeing teams – we're seeing like the level of competition not as good as it usually is um, across the board because of these injuries. That's that's how I feel right now. They'll draw Cowboys or Eagles, whoever doesn't win the division. So I don't think. And if one of those teams manages to lose to an NFC South team, (laughs) I will roast them for the next decade. That's all I got to say. Especially if it's the Cowboys. I don't. I think Evan is literally going to throw a like a parade in New York if the Cowboys loses to an NFC South team. I'll I'll be like Stephen A. Smith, where he comes into first take the next morning with like a full cigar and a cowboy hat. That'll be me on Monday's Down South. Did you? Did you give the Cowboys their due this week, though, Evan? You did pick them, so I was I was going to mention. Yeah, I wasn't shocked by that outcome with how the how Eagles are playing, but they look game. great. They look great. Yeah, they're doing a great job. You both called that one. I thought the Eagles were going to take their their cookie cookies again, and they didn't. The Eagles are not playing well, and they. I mean, the mm-hmm. the receiver fumbled. Like, what are they? Three fumbles. Like AJ Brown and Devontae Smith both fumbled. Like, come on. Like they would that game would have been much closer if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot, but. Um, I mean, yeah. give the Cowboys credit for stripping it, but go ahead, Bill. Um, yep. All right, recapping where the standings are. As Cy mentioned, he bombed last week and went six and nine. Um, Zach and I were a little bit better, so Zach has a one-game lead at one seventeen. I am at one sixteen, one game behind. Size at one fourteen, so he's just only uh, three, three games off the league, so it's still close. Still um, fun, yeah. Uh, Thursday night football battle of a couple backup quarterbacks. We got the Chargers with Easton Stick. At the Raiders with Aiden O'Connell coming off a zero-point performance this week. 
Uh, Raiders are a three-point favorite at home. I'll say Raiders win, but don't cover. Just, uh, you know, arbitrary selection. Zach? I think this game might be 0-0. This might be the 3-0 game. Uh, give me the Chargers to win and, and um, I guess, money line here. Yeah, I should have changed my pick. Cy? Yeah, I'm going to go Chargers money line as well. I, I just have no faith in the Raiders at this point. I actually think, yeah, that's a good selection. But, uh... <laughs> you can't switch up now, man. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Locked. <laughs> Minnesota at Cincinnati. We got Saturday games starting, uh, starting now in yep. college football over, so – um, Cincinnati's a four-point favorite at home. Over/unders thirty-nine and a half. Go with Zach. I think this is a perfect opportunity to take advantage of the fact that the Vikings just might not be that good. Give me Cincy to win and cover three and a half. Sai, I'm gonna go Cincy win and cover. Yeah. Yep. Concur. I'm on Cincy as well. I think it's a good bet. Um, Pittsburgh at the Colts. Um, Colts are. I have two and a half point favorites here. Um, over under is 42 and a half. I had this at Indy minus six and a half because Pickett's already out, I think, right? So it's yeah, going to be Mitch Trubisky, who looked horrendous, truly yeah. horrendous on Thursday Night Football. I had this closer to six and a half, so I definitely have Indy winning and covering. Zach? Same with me. Indy winning cover here. Yeah, all buys aside, this is my best bet of the week because I expect us to bounce back after last week. And yeah. Trubisky looked awful last week. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Um, Denver at Detroit, super interesting Saturday night game. Detroit's a four and a half point favorite at home. Over under is forty six and a half. Let's start with Cy. Said four and a half point favorite for Detroit. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna say Detroit wins. I'm gonna go no cover. I don't. I don't want to bet on Detroit right now. I'm gonna say they do cover because they they play so well at home. So Zach, I think this is actually a great time to bet on Detroit because they have to get things moving and a grooving again. And and the Broncos, they are seven and six but they've kind of just showed their hand. There's not a lot of upside there. Give me Lions win cover. Uh, next game, Atlanta at Carolina. Must win for Atlanta. Atlanta's a three-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 35 and a half. Um, I got Atlanta winning and covering here. Zach? Atlanta winning cover. Zach. You said Carolina, Atlanta, right? Yep. Yeah, Atlanta winning cover. I'm surprised it's only three. Yeah, on the road. Um, Chicago at Cleveland. Cleveland is a three and a half point favorite at home. Over under is 38 and a half. Let's start with Zach. Chicago at Cleveland. And what's the spread? Three and a half. Cleveland. Chicago money line. Ooh, Zach. I, I wanted to pick Chicago money line, but Cleveland's defense at home is too good. So I'm going to go Cleveland oh, win, yeah, but true. no cover. I'm going Chicago money line here as well. I think they'll struggle a little bit with the mobility of Fields and not be able to create so much havoc. So, and, and Fields is good on grass um, yeah. and cold weather. Uh, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Green Bay is a three and a half point favorite at home, subject to change with their performance tonight. Over under forty two and a half. Let's start with Cy. Green Bay winning cover. Yep, I have the same. Zach, same here. Same here. Uh, Jets at Dolphins. Uh, Jets played much better this week. Miami is a 12-point favorite at home. Again, subject to change. Um, I will say Miami wins but doesn't cover. The Jets are on the right track after last week. Zach? Dare I see Zach Wilson with a smile on his face for the first time this season. Give me a backdoor cover as well, so I don't think Miami uh, covers at 10.5. They're in Miami, right? Yeah. Miami win and cover. Um. 
All right. Giants at Saints. Uh, Saints are six-point favorites at home, over under 36 and a half. Um, Zach? Ooh, give me Saints winning cover. Ty? Saints winning cover. I'm going to say no cover. I just don't think the Saints are good at all. Um, Houston at Tennessee. Tennessee is a one and a half point favorite at home. Um, again, subject to change. Over under 37 and a half. Strad in concussion protocol. Um, I have this line saying that he's going to play. Um, but I'm not uh, totally sure on that. But um, I have Tennessee winning cover. I actually like this line a lot because, again, I think Tennessee at home is um, actually pretty good. Um, so even if Strad plays, I think they win in cover. Zach? I agree. I agree with Evan here. Win Zach? cover for Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. If Nico Collins is also playing, then I want to go Houston. But Nico might be out, and they might be out someone else. Oh, this is so hard. Um, yeah, I'll go Tennessee when I cover. All right. Kansas City at New England. Uh, Kansas City's a 10-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 37.5. I have no cover. Kansas City's not just they're just not playing totally well right now. So, Zach? I've got Kansas City winning cover. I think this is going to be a statement win. Five. Yeah, this is the perfect time for – KC to actually cover a spread for once. So I'm taking KC going to cover. All right. San Francisco at Arizona. San Francisco is a 13 and a half point favorite on the road. Over under is 48 and a half. Start with Cy. <laughs> SF winning cover. Yep. Same. They didn't last week though against Drew Locke. Zach. Yeah, but that's because I, I think I held off here with the 10 and a half, which ultimately moved to 13 and a half. I, yeah. uh, I do agree. 49ers win and cover this one. All right. Yeah, we had them at 10 and a half. Evan. Um, well, yeah, but with, uh, that was with Gino, um, yeah. commanders at Rams Rams are seven point favorites at home. Uh, Zach Washington money line. All right. Have fun with that. Si? <laughs> I'm going to go Rams win. Maybe not. I actually debated that. Now I think I might switch in order to keep up with Zach. Actually, no, this is probably a freebie for me then. Um, Rams, uh, Rams winning cover. Um, (laughs) Dallas, all three of us have completely different outcomes. Dallas at Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is a two point favorite at home over under is 49 and a half. Start with Cy. Damn. This is a tough one at Buffalo. Buffalo is the favorite. Yep. I'm riding the Dallas train, dude. I'm riding the Dallas train. I'm gonna go Dallas money line. Yeah, very difficult because I like the way Buffalo is trending. Um, but I'm gonna say Dallas, uh, finds a way to win. Um, very tough game, though. Zach? I'll say, here we go, Bills Mafia. Bills winning cover Ooh, this like one. I like that, easy. Zach. Give us a little yeah, curveball. You like that? You like, I like that? that? Yeah, I love yeah. that cadence, man. I love yeah. that cadence from here Zach. Here we go. He's not coming away with a victory. Lee Corso. Uh, Sunday it's, no, night. It's, it's no Omaha. I just want to throw that out there. But, yeah, continue. <laughs> Sunday Night Football, Baltimore at Jacksonville. Baltimore is a three-and-a-half point favorite on the road. Over-under is 43-and-a-half. Let's uh, go with uh, Zach. This is my favorite spread of the week. Uh, Ravens are going to win and cover this one. Cy? Yeah, I didn't catch who they were playing. Who was it? Jacksonville. In oh, Duval. Uh, oh, man. I mean, I'll take I'll take Ravens win and cover. But Lawrence actually played. I mean, he threw picks, but he played. So, yeah. He looked healthy enough. Jacksonville money line. I think they need a statement win here to catch the momentum back. So, I don't wow. I'm nervous about this pick, but I think they can find a way to win um, this yeah, one. Well, uh, different with another week of uh, Lawrence getting better. Um, 
Monday Night Football, Philly at Seattle. Philly is a four-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 47.5. I'm getting crazy in the primetime games, baby. I think Philly is really hitting the skids. I think Seattle needs a win to stay in the wild card race. If Geno plays, obviously, um, Seattle money line. Zach? I completely agree with that assessment, Ev. Um, but if he doesn't, which there is a probability, then I've got to switch the train back to the Eagles. Yeah. We got you. Got to lock in a pick, though. Are you going Seattle, or are you going you going Philly based on the information available? Hey, Gino, just take whatever potion that Trevor Lawrence did, and you'll be a okay, man. Let's go Seahawks, baby. Twelfth man. All right, man. Give me, give me, give me a pick back this week. Give me Philly <laughs> to win and cover. Come on, this is such a bounce back opportunity for them after losing two big ones to good teams. Oh, come on, Philly's good. They're coming. I'm back. Worried. Yeah, I'm worried. I gave a lot of picks back this week, but we'll see what happens. Any last words? <laughs> Um, no, I, I'm just excited for fantasy football playoffs. I'm going to be watching in Vegas. So if you guys want me to lock any bets in for you live, you let me know. Um, and yeah, I'll try, I'll try to get some videos to show you guys later. But yeah, let's go. Uh, to Tua just fumbled and, yeah. at the goal line. He wow. just fumbled. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh boy. You hate to see Ooh. that. That's oh a good boy. start. A... Jets. That is a good start to my, uh, Wait, we picked... oh, 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 sorry. That, okay, it's for me. For me, yeah. It's, I thought you meant – I was confused, yeah. They they were in a position, I feel like, to just run in with Mostert, though, which would have been ideal from a me getting into the playoffs and betting perspective. So True. Um, True. But uh, cool. That was Monday's Down South, I guess. Monday's Down South. See you guys next week.